It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, JT, hour number two of the show. Hope you're doing well. We're brought to you by Doghouse. That's the unbelievable sports venue where the sports book is, live entertainment inside Resorts World. Can't tell you how happy you are there for Monday Night Football. I'll be there once a month for a Monday Night Football party where we'll have incredible giveaways from Resorts World, from Raider Nation Radio. But most importantly, it's a place I want you to go to because I think you're going to love it. When you have friends and family in town, if you're a local here, please stop by Resorts World and see what they're doing. Scott Sabella has this awesome jewel here in the desert, the most expensive casino in the world as of right now, and we're in. We're in Doghouse, and it's the coolest venue I've seen in Vegas in quite some time. So come there, see what it looks like. That's where the sports book is. We'll be giving away great seats in the sports books. We have so many promotional events. We'll have deals to stay at the resort. I'm thrilled to be there. It's one of the greatest partnerships we've put together here on my radio show in my career in Vegas. So I'm excited to be a part of Resorts World. Come see us on Monday Night Football. A lot to get to as we continue. Step McKenzie. Also at the bottom of the hour, my friend Gilbert Manzano, who covers the Chargers, I'm really excited to talk to him because he's going to take us through the Chargers roster and everything they're doing right. And he knows a lot more about the Chargers than I do and most. So we got a guy who's going to totally get us up to speed with how good the Chargers are. That's coming up in about 25 minutes. Mikey in Staten, Italy, listening on the Raiders Global app. How are you, Mike? Yeah, JT, doing great, man. I'm looking at this game. I'm, I'm taking me being a Raider fan away from it. I'm looking at what Vegas, your sports books are telling us. They're mm-hmm. telling us that uh, the Raiders are a three and a half point favorite, and they're expecting fifty two and a half. Whoa, whoa, points. whoa, 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 whoa! They're a three and a half point underdog. Oh, I'm sorry, underdog. Yes. Correct. I apologize. A three and a half point underdog at home. Uh, we Jacobs, uh, arguably our most consistent offensive player, is is questionable to doubtful. The fifty two and a half. Uh, we're coming in on a roll. I think I disagree with you a little bit. I think this game is 100% won with the skilled players. I think mm-hmm. the, the wide receivers, somebody has to step up, make the plays like they've been doing. And also our defensive backs have to step up and make the plays. I think Derek Carr plays his, his game where he's, he's a little more assertive, not as conservative in past years. And I think it comes down to special teams. And I think uh, mm-hmm. that's where coaching comes in. And if, if I'm going to war, I'm taking Groot in any part of the day over a first-year coach. Yeah, I would agree with that. Thanks, Mikey. Again, they're on the road. The Raiders are getting three-and-a-half points on the road. I think they have better special teams. I think they have the better coach. We'll see. This could be a good young coach. McVay's a good young coach with the Rams. This could be the next coming of him. We'll see how this plays out. But I agree with Mikey. I think special teams you know, plays a role in this game, a big one with Cole punting and pinning Justin Herbert back. That's going to be really important to make Herbert go the length of the field. He went the length of the field in overtime as the Raiders put up a field goal with Marcus Mariota the last time they played in Vegas, and Herbert went the length of the field on a bomb. He's going to look to attack the Raiders downfield again. 
Uh, T in Walnut Creek, thanks for waiting. We appreciate you calling. What's happening? Hey, Brick. I want to give you my take on the Charger game this week. But first, I want to give a quick shout-out to Ron Mix. Um, I know Ron personally. I used to work with his uh, daughter in San Francisco. He's a great human being, interesting guy. I dragged that guy to the Raider fan sports bar in San Diego one time. Nothing but Raider fans. He showed up with his Hall of Fame cards, handed them out to the fans for free, signed autographs for free. He's a, a top-notch human being, so thanks for having him on. Um, in terms of uh, this game this week, I think there's two things that make this game extremely interesting for me. I don't know if we're going to win or not, but number one, on the offensive side of the ball, I think the running game. Can we take advantage of that poor Sandy, or Los Angeles run defense? And it's not just the running back. The running game is, I think, equally important as the offensive line, and it's more the, the whole versus the pieces. And these guys need reps to play together, and they're, so far it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So can they get it together and run the ball down the Chargers' throat on Monday night on offense? On defense, for me, this is going to be the most challenging uh, offensive passing attack we've faced this year. So, number one, can the DBs cover their passing attack? Number two, can the uh, defensive line get after Herbert and pressure him all night long? And number three, can those linebackers tackle? So, for me – um, I think we've got a really good shot of winning this game, but it's going to be tough, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of where we are. It's going to be a measuring stick game as far as I'm concerned. Thanks, Brick. Yeah, that is. I think it is a measuring stick, but they all have been measuring sticks. Come on. It, they, they've all been measuring stick games. They are. Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's home opener. It was a home opener for them. That was, in, that was incredible that the Raiders won that game. I know Pittsburgh's down right now, but that's a hell of a team. And that was a measuring stick. Baltimore, oh my God, Monday Night Football, big measuring stick. And the Raiders showed guts and heart. And then the Dolphins came in with that defense and secondary. All these games are measuring sticks. But this is an important game because it's a division game. It's on the road. If they get this game on the road in the division to go 4-0, with the quality of the opponents that they beat already this year, I mean, they're going to fly up everybody's power rankings. Again, remember what I told you. With Baltimore, it's very similar to this game. I thought the Raiders would beat Miami, and I thought they'd beat Miami and cover because they're a better team than Miami, and they had a backup quarterback going. The Baltimore game or the Pittsburgh game, I thought the Raiders would lose one of them. They'd go one and one. They didn't. Those were important games, and they swept them. I put this Charger game in L.A. just where I put Baltimore Monday night here. If they win, it's gravy. It's incredible if they win this game on the road. If they don't, it hurts. And, you know, it's a division game, and all of a sudden you're chasing the Chargers in the division with the same record. So I like the Raiders to play and keep this game close. Keep this game manageable. That's what the Raiders, they haven't done that in two of their three games. Two of their three games they've trailed 14 nothing. They needed a safety by Casey Hayward to get him back in the game 14-2 and then chip away with 25 answered points, 25 unanswered points. If they trail the Chargers 14 nothing on the road in L.A., I don't think they can come back from that. I don't think they can come back from a two-score game the way they did against Baltimore. Baltimore... We know that they had injuries. Lamar Jackson, they tried to cradle him and not have him run for big plays, and he's not a great thrower like Herbert. He's very good. But come on, they got to keep this game manageable, and they can't let the game get away from them. They cannot let the game get away from them. These games trailing 14 nothing will come back to bite them if they're not smart. Steph McKenzie joins us, my favorite. The queen, she comes in, diehard Raider fan. 
I mean, you just heard what I had to say. Do you agree with me? This is a tough game against the oh. Chargers in L.A. Well, first of all, you got my head spinning with stats. I'm like, <laughs> oh, but they, oh, oh, then there's that. But I think if you want my opinion more than anything, who is more excited and more nervous about this game than Gus Bradley? I mean, seriously, right? After yeah, everything this, is, that... this is a big game. And Ron Milius, he brought the secondary coach over with him there. There are right. coaches from, San, uh, from L.A. that are here that know that system well. And, and as you know, they know the Raiders well because you know, Gus, Gus is going back to play him, but they know the Raiders as good as any other team out there, Steph. But you bring up a great point. Uh, the Raiders are not 3-0 and without Gus Bradley, and now he goes back to his old stomping grounds. Well, and remember this whole summer and even last year, what were we talking about? Defense, defense. Yeah, we needed a little tweaking in the offense, but it was really we needed that help in the defense. And I think not only is this important for, for Gus going back to his, you know, to his old team, but he's really done so much for us. But I also think that we cannot trail, like you said, and we have mm-hmm. to just pound them right away. And it's Step a division up. game. So do all the others matter? Well, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I'm excited where we're sitting. We haven't played anyone in the division, so I'm so nervous. Yeah, you should be. This is a big game. It's the first division game. It's on the road, even though Raider Nation is going to be there. What do you think of Derek Carr? He leads the NFL in passing yards. The Raiders have the number one offense in all of football. I wasn't expecting that. I thought Derek would get off to a really good start, but this is crazy. His numbers are out of the park here, and he's the front runner for the MVP. Well, I like to give a little credit to that because he is my fantasy football quarterback. <laughs> All right. There you go. A good year to have him as your fantasy football quarterback, Steph McKenzie. I have never done fantasy football. You know me. I'm Raiders through and through. I can never go against them. And everyone's like, well, who's on your team? And they're like, well, that's the Raiders. And I'm like, you wanted me to play. This is how I play. I'm sorry. And, you know, I've always been a Derek Carr fan. I think he's amazing. Yeah, I love I love his leadership. I've loved it from the beginning. He's always stepped one foot forward and brought his team with him, no matter win, lose, tie, behind, ahead. He's just such a leader. And you're right, though. We cannot we cannot be behind. We can't have those. It was like they weren't awake at the beginning of the game last weekend. With the Dolphins? Come on. Yeah, it was 14 nothing with the Dolphins. So that was the first time the crowd wasn't in the game. And I'm including Garth Brooks, Guns N' Roses, and soccer games. And I bet, you know, the crowd was quiet when the team was down 14 nothing. Steph McKenzie joins us, 97 won the point. You and I were anchoring the draft a couple of years ago when Henry Ruggs III was drafted. And right. we both said with CeeDee Lang, uh, C- 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 we looked at CeeDee C- Lang, we looked at uh, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lang, and we said, wow. Ruggs is, Ruggs is going ahead of those guys because we knew the Raiders wanted a Tyreek Hill type of player. And last year he had COVID and he got injured. How about Ruggs? Some of these catches and big plays deep downfield. I love the start he's having this year. Well, I, A, I love the start he's having. And for being such a young player, he's so well put together this year. It's, it's interesting to see year to year, especially as close as, I mean, all of us listening to being Raider fans and watching these kids grow he really has evolved more than I would have thought of you, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, he put on he put on 10 pounds of muscle. You don't hear about him anywhere in town other than him getting a no. big meal and putting it on Instagram and getting a big steak. Well, you know, right. that's a good segue to what I wanted to talk about. Last night as I was on my Sirius XM show, the Aces were on television. Right. And the, Raider, the Raiders had, I believe, 10 to 12 players at the game. And Max Crosby, as you know, who's sober, Darren Waller, 
who's sober. I think Ruggs was there, a whole bunch of players. And my wife and I were talking, and we were like, isn't it great they're at a game and they're not at a nightclub? And, again, whatever they want to do, if they have free time and they go out to dinner or go to a nightclub, that's on them. But wasn't it cool to see that many Raiders out on national television supporting Mark Davis and the Aces last night? I thought that's great camaraderie for the team. Absolutely, and I think it shows exactly what's going on in this world. You know, we keep saying this through and through. We're all in it together. We all need to be kind. And to see people that are big stars like that support other entities that are going on within their team, you know, obviously with Davis and the Aces, I mean, that shows a lot. And I think it sets a huge example to the rest of the United States and the other sporting venues. You know, we've been here long enough, Steph McKenzie. We remember on there's a Monday night nightclub, a Tuesday night nightclub. <laughs> there's seven nightclubs on a Wednesday night. And now yeah. you don't feel that vibe just yet as we're still in COVID and everybody's trying to be safe. So you don't hear the deterrence for this team. You remember how many calls we both took on the radio. Oh, my God, what happens when the NFL comes to Vegas? Strip clubs, nightclubs are yes. going to be out every night. We haven't heard a peep knock wood about any of that. This team has been incredible in regards to what they're doing in the community, and they've been quiet when it comes to nightlife. Well, and you know this, I know this, people in Vegas know this. For those that come into Vegas, I know we're the entertainment capital of the world. But this is a very small town. And people, which is through and through from the beginning of time, love to talk. Like you, like us on Fox and McKenzie, limo drivers call very early in the morning after fun <laughs> escapades with all kinds of stars. <laughs> well, tell me about that. So you've been doing this a while. You're on early in the morning. So you get some of your dirt, gossip, and entertainment news from limo drivers. Yeah, they'll call after things have gone down. And I think throughout all the years that have been on the air, I think, you know, the one thing that they'll complain about more than the hookers and blow and all those escapades and all that kind of stuff is that they don't tip. If you don't tip when you come to this town, that is the quickest way to get called out on the radio, TV, entertainment reporters here in town. You will go down. Is it quiet and down? We had Life is Beautiful, I Heart. We had UFC, Raiders. Uh, NASCAR, which, as you know, is the biggest sporting event we have in Vegas the entire year. is not Raiders. It's not UNLV. It's NASCAR. That just left. Pretty exciting, man. Does it feel like it's calming down this weekend compared to what we've seen the last two weekends? Um, I don't think it ever calms down here, JT. If you look hard enough, you will always find something going on. This weekend kicks off, you know, October. So we got Oktoberfest going on. We've got haunted houses. We've got... If there's something going on everywhere, and a lot of live entertainment, not just on the Strip, but off the Strip, is starting to come back with full vengeance. Your nemesis, the Broncos, are 3-0, and but their <sighs> combined wins from the teams they've played are 0-9. How do the Raiders start off? This is an incredible stat. They're the first team ever in NFL history to go 3-0 and against three teams that won 10 games last year. That's never right. happened in NFL history, and on top of that, the Broncos play the Jets, the Giants, and Jacksonville. Can you believe that cupcake schedule? Thank you, JT. Listen, so we're watching the game because we had football this weekend. We were unfortunately not able to go. And we're watching with people that were here for a baseball tournament from Denver, which, you know, was so much fun, right? No. Yep. And I said the same thing. And Chris Fox on Fox and McKenzie is a born and raised Cheyenne, Wyoming, huge Bronco fan that I have to deal with every morning. I'm like, oh, my God, your schedule is so easy. Like, dude, you cannot brag. And it just drives me nuts. I, I keep, Don't even get me started. Please. You're, oh, 
Yeah, I don't think many Bronco fans are, are, are confident yet. They're a good team. They're very good. The Chargers are very good. Kansas City, I think, is going to be fine. Unless Kansas City loses another game or two that I don't see on their, on their schedule, if the Raiders, the Chargers, and Denver can pull away early from Kansas City, that's going to be very unique. No one had that there. I'll leave you on this note. Uh, again, you have sitters. You have friends in town. I know you love your kids. I know they play sports. I don't want you missing Raider games, okay? Flag football will be there from week to week. There are big games coming up here, so that's the last time. I, I will do you a favor. I will call the league and cancel or postpone the flag football game so you're inside Raider Nation, okay? Well, you know what? That's a good segue because I'll let you know my little man, his 9U team on the Vegas Golden Knights um, organization is 3-1, and one, JT, so we're kicking some butt. You let me know if I can donate anything to them. Buy a lunch. Get the team going. I can't wait to go out and see them play. Thanks for joining us. It's been a while. We miss you here. I know. I miss you. And as always, like I always say, go Raiders. Steph McKenzie, 97, won the point. Probably the most famous rock jock in all of Vegas. Diehard Raider fan. She was diehard in Vegas way before everybody got here with the Raiders. So we love having her on. And today's her day. Good to see. Good to hear from her. Ron Mix. Joined us, the intellectual assassin, the Hall of Famer, and Gilbert Manzano is going to come up here at the bottom of the hour. I want everybody really focused on this next interview because Gilbert knows this team. He covered the Raiders. He went to cover the Chargers. He's covering the beat. He's very detailed. And I got to get, I got to get my groove on with this. I got to sit down with Eric Allen. I got to sit down with Coach Gruden tomorrow and go through the Chargers and their roster here, and we'll see what this looks like here. No, no need to be nervous. Justin Herbert's just a hell of a player. But every Charger fan knows that Derek Carr is a hell of a player. So two quarterbacks are going to go back and forth. I expect Derek Carr to have a big day in the air. He's getting everybody involved. The other big story this week is Tom Brady is returning to Foxborough. There is nothing bigger than that in sports. Nothing. Brady deserves all the attention he's getting. He's going back to Foxborough where he won six Super Bowls. He's the greatest player of all time, and he's going back to Belichick. That's the game everybody's talking about nationally. No one seems to care about other games as much, and I agree with him. You got, it's, like, it's not like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards and then coming back because Michael Jordan didn't win with the Wizards. Tom Brady left the Patriots and won a Super Bowl. And he's coming in with a Super Bowl team looking to defend their title. And he's going to want to bury Belichick. He is going to want to hammer Belichick and really put up a big number there. We'll take a look at some of the moving lines when we come back on the other side. We'll have Lee Sterling coming up tomorrow to go through some of these games. Or Friday, depending on what his schedule looks like. We talked about the line. It's the Chargers minus 3.5 up from minus 3. Total on that game is 52.5. I'll also give you one or two games where I think the line isn't right. And we'll talk about the value of getting in and maybe betting this game in advance. JT brought to you by Grimaldi's. I'm going to give out a $50 Grimaldi's gift card tomorrow. Be here for that. Herbert to throw toward the end zone. Mike Williams caught touchdown. Chargers fist pump from Keenan Allen. Four yards. Herbert to Mike Williams for the second time today, and the Bolts go up six. 
Chargers Radio on the call. JT back with you as we preview the Raiders at the Chargers Monday night football at SoFi Stadium. Great to catch up with Gilbert Manzano again, one of the premier, premier beat riders in the NFL, covering the Chargers for the OC Register, the LA Daily News, the SoCal News Group. Good to talk to you again, my friend, and this is a big one. I don't think many people in Southern California had the Raiders coming in undefeated to SoFi. Yeah, JT, good to talk to you again and jumping on the show. But yeah, it feels like a like a big time game. Uh, undefeated Raiders, three and zero, and two and one Chargers. Uh, both teams are playing really well. The Chargers are coming off a big momentum game in KC, beating the AFC West champions, the five time champions, uh, at their place, Arrowhead, and then the Raiders with John Gruden and Derek Carr playing so well, and old friend Gus Bradley. Uh, they're really clicking right now, three and zero. So this is big time primetime game. Uh, at SoFi Stadium has been really excited. Yeah, I want to do a deep dive because you know this team so well. So for years we've been talking about recently the health of the Chargers. And I think that's the only thing that's holding them back. they got a great roster, really good roster, but Derwin James was injured. Bosa at times isn't 100%. The big question right now, the state of the Chargers health-wise coming into this game. Yeah, you know, they do have a few injuries, but it's not one of those deflating injuries like, you know, last year, Derwin James or, you know, when Joey Bosa had a, had a broken foot for nine games or or just like uh, just a numerous injuries where just, you know, week after week they're decimated by starters that are being out. They had a couple, uh, you know, the last two weeks with Chris Harris Jr., the cornerback, the slot cornerback being out, uh, the run stopper, uh, Justin Jones. You know, that hurt them in week two. Uh, having losing those vital defensive starters, and they couldn't really figure that out. But now for, for that week three game in KC, uh, new head coach Brandon Staley really figured out, okay, you don't have Chris Harris, you don't have Justin Jones, what can we do to, to adjust? And you saw him, you know, keep Derwin James at safety because Derwin James was playing slot cornerback against the Cowboys. That didn't work out mm-hmm. too well because Derwin James is at his best when he's moving around. So you see the young head coach making adjustments, and the other injury is Brian Bulaga, the right tackle for the Chargers. That right. was an, another big adjustment because in week two, uh, Brian Bulaga, I'm uh, sorry, Brian Bulaga's backup, Storm Norton, was, couldn't had no answers for uh, rookie Cowboys, uh, you know, linebacker turned edge rusher Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons mm-hmm. was doing whatever he wanted against Storm Norton. Now for week three against KC and Chris Jones in that defensive line, again, Staley adjusted by giving Storm Norton some help with some tight ends. Uh, with the chipping, but overall, Storm Norton held his ground, uh, his ground against KC. So they have some injuries, but they've kind of been okay minimizing the damage and making adjustments as they go. Gilbert Manzano's our guest. Really sounds like Alex Leatherwood out on the island with him, and the fact that Gruden's getting him help with chippers and a holding in a back there or getting some tight end help. Very interesting. So I look at the numbers here and I see the rush offense. The Raiders are 25th at 91 yards a game. They don't have Josh Jacobs, and we'll see the status of Josh coming up on Monday night. Why are the Chargers ranked 26? Because both of these passing games are strong. Why have the Chargers been struggling rushing the football? Yeah, you know, I think the first couple weeks was trying to figure out the new scheme with Brandon Staley. And you, you hear about this new, uh, you know, fad in the NFL with the too high safety look, which, uh, you know, Brandon Staley got from Vic Fangio, and it seems like a lot of coaches are kind of taking that on because the too high, too, too high safety look kind of helps you minimize the big plays downfield. As we know in the NFL, it's all passing down the field, what Patrick Mahomes does well. 
but when you have guys focus on down the field, that minimizes what you have up top in the front seven. You have lighter boxes. So I think, you know, not having maybe, you know, six or seven guys to help me help you out at the line of scrimmage was really an adjustment for the Chargers. Now, you know, for after two games, after that Cowboys game, they, they were really, you know, they were gashed by Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. And you start asking Brandon Staley some questions. Okay, what is the keys to these two, this two high safety look to stopping the run? Is it going to be an issue all year? And, and the way he kind of told us was, you got to watch the film. You know, it's disguising to make it look like it's lighter boxes. It's just maybe guys are not executing. They're maybe a second too late. They're not timing it right. So, when you have these disguises on the deception and, and, and guessing game out there, that's when this defense really clicked. Now, for uh, week three with KC, it was kind of a pick-your-poison. Do you want them running the ball, short passes, or do you want Patrick Mahomes throwing downfield uh, to Tyreek Hill? So I think for that one, it was more about, okay, let's kind of go back, you know, play some center field. Don't let Mahomes score uh, at will at a rapid pace. So I think Brandon Staley was okay with giving up the running yards, at the, you know, for week three. So, you know, picking your poison went well for them. But I think now with the Raiders, with this Raiders team, maybe they won't focus so much on stopping the big plays. But I think, you know, there'll be more people at the line of scrimmage who kind of potentially face Josh Jacobs. Well, the Raiders are thrilled. Gilbert Manzano is our guest. We look at the Raiders' defense. The total defense is ranked 14th. And this was a big bone of contention to how to how to get a defense led by Gus Bradley to not get gouged every game and be ranked 26th, 27th, 29th. To, to be in this position now is a very good spot for them. But we also know they got injuries. They're fighting through injuries. But the defense has been the strength because of the pass rush. When you look at Justin Herbert now, real important because he's unbelievable. He's not good. He's a great quarterback. The Raiders have Yannick Ngakwe and Crosby coming off the edge. How big of a concern is that for the Chargers to get Herbert to step up in the pocket or get outside the pocket away from the edge rushers of the Raiders? Yeah, they're, they're going to be facing a very stout defensive line for the Raiders. and We haven't said that in many years or, or since Khalil Mack mm-hmm. was hanging around with, with the Raiders. Uh, so what Gus Bradley is doing with his D-line to have you know, Max Crosby reach his potential with Ngakwe and they're doing it the old Gus Bradley way. It's four-man rush. It's not blitzing heavily. So this scheme that Gus has tells you it still works in today's NFL, uh, which I was kind of always preaching. Like, yeah, it's not aggressive, but you will get pressure with four guys, and that minimizes the damage down the field, which you want to do with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, you know, already in year two is similar to Patrick Mahomes where he wants to push the ball down the field. But, yeah, when you have Storm Norton at right tackle, uh, and you know that could really hurt them, you know, against Max Crosby and Ngakwe. So you probably see the same thing, some chipping and helping out. Uh, but the thing with Herbert, when it comes to third and long or facing pressure, he's probably right now the best quarterback at doing that. For some reason, when it when it comes to pressure, uh, he's about to take a hit. He, that's when he's at his best. He's hitting Keenan Allen. He's hitting Mike Williams, a red hot Mike Williams. He's fighting Jared Cook. So. You know, it's going to be tough for the Raiders mentally. You could do everything right at the line of scrimmage and maybe dominate that offensive line and get in Herbert's face. But for some reason, he kind of finds his weapon. So I think that's where the adjustment will be uh, for the Raiders to to maybe minimize, you know, those quick screen games and those quick slants to Keenan Allen. What do you do to kind of, you know, force Herbert to maybe, you know, throw the ball away or maybe not complete the passes? You make a great point. With With the size of the Chargers receivers, 
and how great they are. Now, how good they are. I've always been a fan of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Even if the Raiders get a pass rush, uh, those guys, if they get one-on-one coverage, will go up and get any any ball, and the Raiders got to be concerned about it. They got Casey Hayward, who's playing really well. Might be the defensive MVP for this team, the way he stabilized that secondary. Jonathan Abrams playing better. They got Trayvon Merrick on the back end, and Trayvon Mullen is a good cornerback on the outside, but still very young in this league. So as we look at the game, one more one more follow-up on Justin Herbert. I, I want to know what's happening in the city of L.A., because we know Raider fans – Got a lot of tickets. That They're L.A. They're going to be in there in full force. But how is Herbert selling tickets and getting the city of L.A. to get behind him? I know the Chargers are trying hard to sell their brand there, and they got the guy to do it. They got a guy who's going to be great for a decade. Is he getting traction with the Charger fans in L.A.? Yeah, I think so. And I think the proof was uh, week two, the home opener, against the Dallas Cowboys. We all know Dallas Cowboys fans travel well. They're one of the best in the NFL, along with the Raiders. You know, when I was looking at the crowd, maybe because it's hard to tell because of different kind of lighter blue, mm-hmm. uh, and the powder blue really, you know, pops out more. I saw a, a lot of stands filled, or, or sections at SoFi Stadium filled with powder blue, and it was a good mix of navy blue as well. I will definitely give the edge to the Cowboys fans. They, they had the, mo- the, the, the most fans there between the Chargers, but it wasn't, a blowout in the stands. It wasn't what we saw at the soccer stadium with the Galaxy playing Carson where it was 80%, 20%. This was maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 55 advantage for, for the Cowboys, you know, possibly 60, 40. Uh, but it was a good showing for the Chargers, and that's maybe yeah. what you want nowadays to, to kind of keep it close, don't make it bad. And maybe there was one point where I, where I really felt like I think the Cowboys were up 14-3, and Herbert had the ball, and you really heard some loud defense chants at his home stadium. You know, you start thinking – here we go again. But then I think maybe Chargers fans took it as a challenge and that you they kind of drowned that out. I didn't really hear too many, you know, defense chants at home until maybe at, towards the end or when Greg Zerline had the game-winning kick. So to kind of do that against the Cowboys showed me that there, there is a lot of traction uh, for a fan base in Los Angeles. And, of course, Justin Herbert is a big part of that. Uh, I think having a new coach and Brandon Staley added to the excitement as well, uh, having a healthy Derwin James. So I think overall – uh, you know, it's a good time for the Chargers to kind of build that fan base in Los Angeles. They have uh, ways to go, uh, mm-hmm. but I think they're right there with the Rams. But the Rams are doing their part as well with Matthew Stafford. So, um, But when the Raiders come to town, it might be a whole different story because, you know, JT, there's a lot of Raider fans in Los Angeles from, you know, when they won the Super Bowl in the 80s with Tom Flores. Uh, much deserved for Tom Flores to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but those roots are still very strong in Los Angeles. So I think it could be 70-30 uh, Raiders uh, fans in the stands. Gilbert Manzano, as we wrap it up, so you mentioned Brandon Staley going up against John Gruden, a Super Bowl-winning coach who's doing a great job this year dialing in that offense. What is the message from Staley? What type of coach is he? Because he's finding some early success where Urban Meyer hasn't won a game, Robert Sala with the Jets haven't won a game, Joe Judge. There's a lot of first-year coaches. Matt Nagy's looking to get run out of Chicago any day. Seems like he's off to a pretty good start. What is the focus of his preparation? What have you learned about the young coach of the Chargers? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, the thing about all the other rookie head coaches, uh, you know, Brandon Staley is the one, you know, having success. And I think because he just knows how to reach people. He knows how to be a good teacher. He knows how to connect with players. And, yeah, you always hear about the player coaches. There's a lot of good player coaches in the NFL. But he just really – 
the sense of the importance for Brandon Staley of building relationships. It's something where it's very genuine. It's not like, hey, you're the star, star player. You're going to help me win games. I need something out of you, so let's become friends. It's like, no, how's your family? Uh, you know, what's going on? You know, you want to focus on mental health? Are you tired today? He, just, he really established that in the offseason to figure out what these guys like, what they don't like. It was a very collaborative effort of talking not just with coaches, with players. Okay, how can we do this and, and have a right formula to help you guys out and succeed? Uh, I've noticed a lot of days off for rest. Uh, that's really paying off for, for this team as well, I feel like. Uh, there is an emphasis also on the injuries. It wasn't, Brandon said it wasn't like, okay, we're cursed. You know, we can't really do anything about it. Injuries happen. He actually focused on injuries and said, okay, what can we do to change and hire a new kind of you know, sports, uh, you know, staff to kind of help out you know, with longer stretches, like little small things you don't really think about. They're stretching for 30 minutes longer, and that's kind of paying off. Uh, and he's always giving them shout-outs, uh, you know, for his medical team and, and uh, you know, strength and conditioning coach as well. Uh, yeah. And then not just that, besides the, the player aspect, he is a good X's and O's coach. He knows defense. And guess what? He also played quarterback. In college, at yeah. Aiden and Mercyhurst, he knows both sides of the field, uh, and he just has a good relationship with Justin Herbert. And you saw JT against the Chiefs; it was fourth and nine. Everything he said in the offseason, he said he's going to trust Justin Herbert. When the time came to trust your quarterback in fourth and nine in KC, he did that. He gave him the ball. Uh, they went down the field and scored, and he let Justin Herbert call different plays at the line of scrimmage instead of running the ball down. Herbert changed the play and said, Mike Williams, come come do your thing and get a touchdown. So uh, trusting his players is really paying off for Brandon Staley. But I just really think this guy, he just knows how to connect with people. And you knew from day one that he knows how to build relationships. Yeah, you're right. That fourth and nine was big. The Raiders gave up a fourth and 20. Lamar Jackson completed a fourth and 19. You know, all these coaches having confidence in their quarterbacks to pick up a long fourth down. That's the new NFL era we're living in. Gilbert, on the way out, finally, I know you cover boxing at a very high level. We've hung out at fights before. Last night I was on the air live when the story broke about Manny Pacquiao retiring. I'd like to think, I'd like to think he's going to retire for the rest of his life. I don't believe it because I just watched the Muhammad Ali documentary by Ken Burns. And Ali had multiple opportunities and was a bigger name. And he could never retire because he chased the money. What do you think is going to happen to Pacquiao as he runs for president, depending on what happens there, and he gets lured in for another super fight? Do you think this retirement's for good? You, you would think if you're president of a country, the Philippines, that you're busy and you don't have time to fight, you don't even want to think about fighting, you're stressed out, you have a lot on your plate. So I think for Pacquiao, that might work out in his favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you know it might be, he might be done for good because you know, he is in his 40s. He's fought since, you know, I think it was 17, 16. He's been, he was fighting since 1996. Uh, he, he started you know, in the Philippines fighting, came to the United States with Freddie Rose. I think he's done it all. I think he feels yeah. successful. Uh, you know, eight-division champion, uh, for sure, Hall of Famer. You know, you know, and, and this guy just kind of always brought it. it was, you know, he wasn't afraid to fight the best. You know, he had some losses, some, some bad knockouts uh, to Marquez. I can remember that knockout. Um, you know, he had the bad shoulder with Floyd Mayweather, but just think about, you know, even just a couple of years ago, he had a massive upset against a young Keith Thurman. So I think that kind of just shows you that, you know, you know, this guy's a legend and you feel like he, I think, I think he knows he's done enough. That fight against Ugas, you know, 
that wasn't the same Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, he was kind of no. speedy, but the pop wasn't there. He didn't have the, the footwork, the movement, the angles that he kind of he tends to have. So I think maybe Pacquiao was honest with himself, and he felt like, okay, I tried my best. I couldn't bring it like I usually do, like I did in 2019 with Keith Thurman. I think it's time. So I think hopefully, as you know, JTV's boxers, for some reason, they're stubborn, and they want to keep going. But I think Pacquiao has done enough where he feels like yeah. he is, you know, he, he feels okay, and this is this is my career, this is my resume. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I thought he'd get the Spence fight. It would be a, even a big, a massive pay yeah. day and go out with that. But that's his decision, and we're all going to be good for it. What a career. Uh, so many great fights that we walked out of just saying, man, Manny Pacquiao just let Vegas have a beautiful night. Great weekend, great promotions, people coming in from all over the world. He's done so much for boxing and growing Las Vegas as the entertainment capital of the world. Gilbert, I, I'm really excited you made time for us. That's a great analysis of the Chargers. Uh, enjoy the game Monday night. We'll talk to you when the Chargers come out here, see you in Vegas. Sounds good, JT. Hopefully i see you soon. Thank you. You got it. Gilbert Manzano. A good deep dive on the Chargers. Most important interview of the day, and we've had a couple good ones. Want to know what's going on with this team and what they're doing and how they don't believe. Look, they, they, Justin Herbert's going to attack the Raiders secondary. Go right at him. There's no fear. There's no intimidation there. None. He's going to go right after Abram, Eric, Mullen, Casey Hayward with confidence. It's going to come down to the Raider pass rush and what they can do. Speaking of the Raider pass rush, Vic Tafer reports 10 minutes ago. Gerald McCoy has been suspended without pay for the team's next six games for violating the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances. McCoy is on injured reserve. That's a developing story. We'll keep an eye on that going forward and what that means. Uh, You can connect the dots on that story. That could be the end of McCoy's career. Right there, depending on when he's able to come back and play football again. Also, the Raiders 15 minutes ago released that they have signed wide receiver Javon Wims and running back Trey Regis to the practice squad. So Trey Regis is back with the Raiders for depth at running back if they need him. JT, as we wrap up the show today, we get you ready for the Charger game. Brought to you by Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. A lot of conversations and education uh, to get that done along the way, and you know we're—I'm uh, super proud of our guys for making that commitment, and um, you know hopefully we don't have some of those disruptions like we did last year. Bobby, who was that? That was in my ear, please. But yeah, Frank Vogel. I don't recognize Mr. Vogel's voice just yet as the head coach of the world champion Lakers from two years ago. So we got LeBron James sound before we wrap up the show. And LeBron James got vaccinated, which is important. He's one of the most recognized athletes in the world. Here's LeBron James from Media Day letting everyone know. It was never a team discussion, but um, I think at the end of the day, you're always trying to figure out ways that you can always be available um, and put yourself in the best possible chance where you are um, available to your teammates, available to you know, to what we need to do on the floor. And uh, the ultimate goal is to obviously win a championship. So LeBron went on to talk further about the vaccination issue, which I think is a big one because he has a responsibility being the face of the Laker franchise, the face of the NBA, 
to try to spread this awareness and do the right thing for his teammates. We're talking about individuals' bodies. You know, we're not talking about something that's political or or uh, racism or police brutality and things of that nature. We're talking about like people's bodies and well-beings. You know, so I don't feel like for me personally, and I should get involved in, in, in what other people should do for their bodies and their livelihoods. So I don't knock him for that because he's not preaching. There's a lot of people who are getting vaccinated. I'm one of them. I'm vaccinated. I tell people, hey, I'm vaccinated. Why would I not? Why would I get vaccinated if I don't have the ability to tell people? And if I can change one mind, which I know I have, if I can change one mind and say get vaccinated and someone does, that's great. I enjoy that. But I'm not standing here on on a bully pulpit saying every single person, you must do this. That's none of my business. But I'm vaccinated and I'm comfortable telling you. LeBron got vaccinated. To me, that's a win-win. Everybody knows he got vaccinated. You could say it's for money. It's for health. He's healthy. He doesn't need to get vaccinated. He did. So as I tweeted out yesterday, Lionel Messi, the greatest soccer player of all time, Connor McDavid, the greatest hockey player clearly in the NHL right now, LeBron James, the most recognized basketball player in the world, is vaccinated. Mike Trout... Currently, the best baseball player in the world. I know he's injured. They're all vaccinated for a reason. They're doing the right thing, and they're talking about it. So that's a big story, and it's still a big story. I'll be talking about that tonight on Sirius XM 82. Thanks to Ron Mix, Gilbert Manzano, Step McKenzie for coming on as we're all into this Charger preview, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Romo Cop, Bill Romanowski right out of the gate tomorrow. He's got some exciting news which will be a lot of fun. So we're rolling, and we'll get you ready for that Charger game. Monday night we'll be at the M Resort Casino and Spa. Come on out and see us for the early pregame, and we'll be there for the postgame show. Excited. That's a huge game. It means a lot to everybody in town. Even though it's on the road, Raiders have a chance to go to 4-0. Have a great night, everybody. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.